0: Oh my goodness. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Greetings, Obscura Nation. My name's Olivia. You are listening to Olivia's Obscura, A Glimpse Into My Mind Palace. I am so glad that you have decided to join me today. Thanks for being here. Um, First and foremost, right off the bat, I want to address the fact that the audio probably sounds a lot better today because for the first time, I think I'm using this mic correctly. It came to my attention as I sat down to record right now that... I was using the microphone backwards like I wasn't facing the right part towards myself it's a desktop mic it's like the toner something it was like quite literally a twenty nine ninety nine mic from Amazon that had the most good reviews so I just trusted it so by no means is it you know, world class recording equipment. Um, so then I was kind of just under the assumption that like okay like it just sounds like a kind of cheap desktop microphone like it's not going to be as good as like a mic on a boom arm or something more expensive um but no actually I'm that that probably has something to do with it but I was also just I had the I had the back side of the mic facing the front and per the product page on Amazon there is a front and there is a back so do with that what you will. The first, I don't know, seven, eight episodes of this podcast, Uh, that was a learning experience, okay? And we're here today on whatever episode this is with a new and improved oral experience for you. That's A-U-R-A-L. Not oral. I am not giving you guys any oral experiences for free. Now, ladies and germs, we are gathered here today today to discuss a very important topic that I have been wanting to do an episode on since before I started the podcast, like before I actually launched this whole thing. I had a huge Google Doc. Well, I still do, actually, and it's not a Google Doc. It's a Canva doc, okay? Because, hey, real quick, can I plug Canva? Not sponsored, but very down at Canva. Hit my line, girl, if you need if you need someone to, to shill your stuff, okay? Canva introduced a bunch of new features recently, and one of them is a docu, like a whiteboard, I think they call it. There's a document that I like because it's not by pages, if that makes sense, like it doesn't, there's no page breaks, it, you just keep going. And so for stuff like, I like to copy and paste a lot of images into documents and stuff, um, like when I'm compiling information for the podcast. And so that's really nice. I do really love the Canva doc feature. The Canva whiteboard feature though, is my shit that's my shit right there okay there is infinite space for you to do whatever you want to do you can put images you can put post-it notes you can make everything as colorful and as fun and as cute as you want you can add little like stickers and everything I'm obsessed with it it's like a digital scrapbook um and I really am kind of like my process is a little messy okay like I don't like script stuff and I don't really um I don't know, I I intentionally keep things a little bit loose. That's kind of kind of my brand and kind of the uh the essence of this podcast. But I find that the whiteboard feature works really well to just have a lot of information in one place. Um so yeah, if you are someone who kind of likes to have free reign, doesn't like to I don't know, I don't know, if you're if you're not like a super organized person, but you do like the satisfaction of writing stuff down and compiling stuff into one big document, I really recommend the Canva whiteboard feature, okay? And that's all I'm gonna say. But what I was saying was that I have a giant document full of a bunch of episode ideas that I wanted to make, and one of them was an ultimate Caroline Calloway deep dive episode. And so that's what I'm doing today, and I'm so excited. I have actually put more work into researching this video than I think I did for like any project ever when I was in school or in in at any sort of job I've ever had. And that's why I'm not cut out for the workforce or higher education is because I would rather just spend my time learning about stuff that has no bearing on reality That being said, I consider myself a scholar of Caroline Calloway. I have spent so many years (laughs) piecing together the story of her life. I started following her. I actually pinpointed the exact, during my research, during my very important research for this episode, I pinpointed the exact time that I did start actually following her on Instagram. I personally started following her and keeping up with her stories on Instagram in May or June of 2018. And that was in that was when she was dating Conrad. If that means anything to anyone, don't worry. I'm gonna get into all of her lovers and enemies and whatnot over the course of this episode. But that was kind of when I I really started like looking at her stuff because I was aware of her before that. I was aware of her like Cambridge days and like loosely kind of aware of her her place as uh, an Instagram influencer. Um, but in 2018 she famously kind of only posted on her Instagram stories she like didn't post on her grid for a couple years and so during that time was when I started following her so that I could see everything she posts because it you know an Instagram story disappears after 24 hours you might know Caroline Calloway from her most recent kind of headline era which was when she released her book Scammer, her debut novel this year in the summer. I think she released that in June or July. Um, You might know her from her failed creativity workshops in winter of 2019. Maybe you know her from the Cut article that her old friend Natalie Beach wrote, I Was Caroline Calloway. Um, That was a pretty big moment in the zeitgeist. Maybe you know her from her early Instagram days because one thing I will say is that she did kind of pioneer the like using Instagram as a diary thing. Um, Like she claims to kind of have pioneered the trail of being an Instagram influencer and I'm not going to take that away from her. I will say that I do think she um, was one of the first people who used Instagram as a A way to tell stories and not just share pictures. Now, before we get into the meat of the episode here, I would really just like to talk about like why I'm discussing Caroline Calloway, what compelled me to make this, who this is for, what I hope you get out of it. This is going to be split into two parts. So today we're going to be discussing... Everything from birth, <laughs> Caroline's birth, to the end of 2018. And that encapsulates her the, the little am- amount of information we have about her childhood and high school years, her NYU years, her Cambridge years, and then her post-grad life until um, right before 2019. And the reason I am choosing to split it that way is because I'm aware that some people might not be interested in the more recent years because there's been a lot more press about her recently. And a lot of people have found out about her in the years since 2019. So I just don't want to, first of all, make this like a three and a half or four hour episode because I was, I did throw up an Instagram poll. I was like, okay, hey, true story. This is a rich text and there's a lot of information to get through would you prefer a giant behemoth like 3 plus hour episode of everything or would you prefer two parts and overwhelmingly people voted for two parts so I, for that's a big reason is because I know I love to sit down and cuddle up with a 4 hour podcast episode but I I do respect that not everybody wants to do that the other reason is purely like logistics based of like some people may only want the information pre-2019 because they simply already know what happened after 2019. The purpose of this episode, this two-part audio experience, is for me to provide an as comprehensive as possible timeline of Caroline Calloway's life and history so that we can provide a clear picture, as clear a picture as possible of how we ended up where we are, of how Caroline ended up where she is, what this current moment of Caroline Calloway consists of, and everything it took for us to get here. I've compiled many sources. <laughs> I found huge shout out to a Reddit user that I'll cite later, who had a ton of her Instagram captions screenshotted and time stamped from like 2013 onward that are now deleted. Um so I have a bunch of captions that Caroline herself published on Instagram when she was getting popular. Um I took information that she published in her book in scammer, information that I've heard from podcasts, other podcasts. Um I found a bunch of information on Reddit and I will be compiling all of my sources, everything that I use to compile this timeline in the show notes and on my Instagram um, because I just wanna make them available to anyone else if they will also, you know, like to go on a the Caroline Calloway deep dive. Um, but huge, massive thank you to everyone who has created Caroline Calloway timelines before. What I'm essentially doing here is compiling every Timeline I could find straight from Caroline, from people close to her that have released information publicly about her, from journalists that have written about her, from podcasts that she's been on. I've kind of pieced everything together into what I believe is the most comprehensive timeline that will Effectively convey all of the information you need to know. Now, she's been on the Internet now for over a decade. She started using Instagram really heavily in 2013. A lot of stuff has been deleted over the years at various points in time. So I'm really not claiming to be providing a fully exhaustive story here. There's definitely details that I'm not going to include. All of this should be taken with a grain of salt for reasons that I'm going to explain later because none of us really know like what's true what's not like this is all hearsay and it's all based on if you want to believe Caroline if you want to believe Natalie essentially I'm making this episode so that I can send it to someone who's never heard of her. And then they'll have a very solid foundation in Caroline Calloway studies. Because whenever Caroline comes up in the zeitgeist, whenever she has a scandal or she makes headlines somehow, I always want to talk about her with people. But very few people actually know her deal. <laughs> and they're always like, oh, my God, no, like, I've never heard of her, but tell me about her. And I'm like, no, like, you don't get it. I can't just sit here and tell you about this right now. Like, this is a um, a college class worth of information we need to cover so I always kind of joked that I was gonna make a PowerPoint about her to kind of give people like a 101 level knowledge of her um, because it's just so much explaining to have to do and you can't just like explain Caroline Calloway really quick there's so much lore that affects every other part of her life. Um, so I this is just a, a comprehensive guide to Caroline Calloway. That if you are someone who is into Caroline Calloway and you're wanting to send this to a friend to get them caught up, that's what I hope that this will accomplish. Of course, you might know some of this stuff already. You might not. Maybe this is all new to you. And if you've never heard of this woman before, that's okay because I'm going to give you the tea. That's a pretty good segue into the next point I want to make, which is why I want to discuss Caroline Calloway. She is a really niche internet celebrity, but she is steeped in years and years of lore and in these narratives that she's created over the years. She's a fascinating figure to me because I don't know if I like her. I don't know if I hate her. All I know is that she entertains me and she keeps me interested in what she's doing. And her wild ambition and belief in herself is weirdly inspiring even though some people might call it delusion i do think that if i had a quarter no less if i had like five percent of the delusion and the audacity that caroline has i think i would go really far in life like she is the the master of her fate the captain of her ship if you will Now, obviously, as a human being, I do have hesitations about covering somebody like Caroline Calloway and releasing it publicly. She is a real person who exists outside the confines of Hollywood. And like, I really have no problem discussing Hollywood celebrities, like traditional Hollywood celebrities. They feel very detached from the fabric of reality and... I do really feel like it's fair game to discuss their personal lives to a certain extent. Obviously, there's boundaries. (laughs) Obviously, there are some things that shouldn't be discussed. But I do think that public figures are up for discussion and they're up like people are allowed to have opinions about them. Um, When we get into Internet celebrities who are very much real people in regular society, it feels a little bit more personal because they feel a little bit more accessible, especially someone like Caroline Calloway, who is super present online. Like, I know that historically she searches her own name on Reddit and Twitter and responds to stuff and listens to stuff and watches stuff that people say about her. Um, So like, genuinely, I wouldn't be, like, I would be shocked, but I also wouldn't be shocked if she does listen to this at some point. Also because I'm aware of the fact that I'm kind of creating this episode about Caroline Calloway because there was never like a comprehensive story of her that I could find online that covers everything from her really early days up to the present day. So I did create, I am creating this episode out of demand because I I was looking for something like this <laughs> to send to my friends before and there wasn't anything that I could find. So like if I am correct in assuming that this is kind of a hole that I'm filling, a gap that I'm filling <laughs> in podcasting, um, there is a chance that this episode will get more plays than usual just because I think that a lot of people would be interested in a Caroline Calloway primer. So yeah, am I? do I think it's a possibility that somewhere along the line, somewhere in the future, Caroline could listen to this or someone could send this to her? Yeah, yeah, I am. But I- I'm not doing this to criticize her or I'm not doing this as a defense of Caroline Calloway and I'm not doing this as a criticism of Caroline Calloway. I really want to just deliver as much information as possible so that you can move forward in perceiving Caroline in whatever way you would like to. Like, of course it is impossible for me to be completely unbiased. Okay. Cause I'm not a journalist and even journalists aren't completely unbiased. And that's not my goal. It's not my goal to be completely unbiased here. Like I am a podcaster. (laughs) It is funny to call myself a podcaster, me and my loyal 20 monthly listeners. Okay. I see you. I hear you. Um, Much love. (laughs) But yeah, I am not trying to disrespect Caroline in any way. If anything, I think you could argue that I'm trying to help people understand her better. (laughs) And regarding the Cambridge days of Instagram captions that I'm going to be reading, I know Caroline herself has said that she plans to turn these into a book someday. um, And they don't exist on her Instagram anymore. They are deleted. And I... I guess my 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 reasoning behind why I'm sharing these right now is that they were posted at one point with the intention of garnering an audience and creating a fan base. And they were never intended to be private captions for only her friends or family and nearest and dearest to read. She wanted people to be reading these. That was her goal. So that's kind of how how I feel okay reading them to you now despite the fact that she has chosen to remove them from the internet. One final disclaimer before we get into it is that there is a huge element of like how much of this is actually true to this whole story. Like Caroline herself is a storyteller. The way she tells her reality may or may not be the reality of how things actually went down and I firmly believe that part of being involved in the Caroline Calloway narrative is the acceptance that some things might be an exaggeration or some things might be hyperbolic in nature or the details might not be exact like I on the the Caroline Calloway interview on the Celebrity Memoir Book Club Patreon. Um, I actually really recommend. (laughs) It's behind a paywall. I'm not going to rip it. I'm not going to like release any information from there that I think is imperative to keep behind a paywall (laughs) because I think that if I like Celebrity Memoir Book Club as creators and if you want to hear it, I do think that you should pay them to listen to it. Okay, sorry. Sorry for being a buzzkill. But In that interview, Caroline herself says that she tries to capture the essence of a memory in in regards to her memoir, in regards to her book, Scammer. She prefers to try to capture the essence of a moment and capture the feeling, like how she felt in the moment, rather than the exact details. So you heard it from the horse's mouth, okay? Anything that she wrote may or may not just be capturing the essence of the moment and not the details, okay? So take this all with a grain of salt, but most importantly... Have fun. Let's get into it. Now, let's start where this all began. December 5th, 1991, Caroline Calloway Gottschall was born in Falls Church, Virginia. That would make her 32 years old at the time of recording, just having had her 32nd birthday earlier this month in December. I am currently recording this on Sunday, December 17th. Her maternal great-grandfather was named Owen Burns, and He actually had a really profound effect on the city of Sarasota, Florida, in its early days. Um, He was eventually the largest landowner in Sarasota, and he also founded the city's first locally owned bank, which was called Citizens Bank of Sarasota. So... There was some wealth in her family on her mother's side a few generations ago, but overall, there's not a lot of information about Caroline's early years of her life, about her upbringing, about her parents. She chooses to share very little about this throughout her writing, her captions, her book, etc., Her parents did get divorced at some point during her childhood. She also makes references to the fact that she grew up in what she calls a hoarder home. Um, So there was some, there was a, a good amount of mental health struggles with her dad specifically. And that will come up later in the timeline. But her dad lost custody of her after the divorce. And that is important to note because there is a tense, a terse relationship between Caroline and her father. Now, according to our Wikipedia page, she attended two schools for high school. She had a one-year stint at Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire, and then she also attended Episcopal High School, which is in Alexandria, Virginia. Both of these are pretty fancy private boarding schools. I think that Phillips Exeter Academy they refer to it as just Exeter a lot I'm pretty sure colloquially people refer to it just as Exeter that one I think is a little bit fancier than Episcopal High School and has some pretty notable alumni but I'm I'm pretty certain that she graduated from Exeter so that would make her one year stint there take place over her senior year of high school for the purpose of this timeline I believe that she graduated high school in the spring of 2009. That would make her 18 years old at the time of graduation. Now Exeter was where she kind of got her first taste of the finer things. One of Caroline's core tenets is that she really just reveres wealth and the upper class of society. And I think being exposed to kind of that upper class and people with old money and generational wealth at Exeter really sealed the deal for her. Now, the first boyfriend that we know about in Caroline Calloway's history is named Andy. This was her high school boyfriend that she met at Exeter. And I am pretty sure that Andy is his real name, though I wouldn't take that to the bank. It very well may be a pen name or like a pseudonym that she included for the purpose of the book. But I do think that I remember her calling him Andy in Instagram captions in the past Um, and she never really spared anyone's identity in the Instagram captions so I do think that's his name. This was apparently the guy that was her first kiss. She lost her virginity to him. It was her first taste of that good good old money lifestyle. She spent the summer after high school summering with him and his family um, which right off the bat uh, if you are in the tax bracket of people who refers to summer as a verb as summering um that's immediately going to to have to be you know <laughs> a sign of of wealth that I can't understand. Caroline has said that from an early age she's wanted to be a memoirist and she spent a lot of her teen years and college years chasing this memoir, chasing the story. And she said the memoir doesn't exist in Falls Church. The memoir exists in these fancy places like the places that Andy is taking me to. When Caroline is 16 or 17, she claims in one old Instagram post that she spent time in Italy with a host family for one year. Um, And then according to a different Instagram post, she spent a summer in Italy working as a cook on a farm. So that's some differing information this time period is pretty cloudy because it exists before her instagram did um so take that with a giant grain of flaky flaky sea salt all right at age 17 she changes her name from Caroline Calloway Gottschall to Caroline Gottschall Calloway so she switched her middle and last names because as she said it would look better on the cover of a book she was like that's an author name Caroline Calloway. And I do 100% agree with her. Caroline Calloway has a real ring to it, a real je ne sais quoi that Caroline Gottschall doesn't really have. So I will say that was strong for the brand. Good job, Caroline. Now we're going to skip ahead to 2012 because this is when Caroline Calloway started using Instagram. It was, I believe, the year that Instagram as a concept launched. (laughs) And she is at NYU at this point. After high school, she wanted to go to Cambridge University in London she did not get in. She actually got rejected three times. So in that time in the interim between high school and when she did eventually get into Cambridge she attended NYU. Now Caroline was just really into the image like the optics of going to cambridge it was like a fantasy and it was like this magical kind of thing she had built up in her head and it's hilarious from from an outsider looking in on this because nyu is a really good school that a lot of people would be like really really lucky and happy to get into but she was like no like i'm wiping nyu from the record I have to pretend that I only went to Cambridge because that's better for my brand and no one commits to a brand more than Caroline has. Now while she's going to NYU she is living in this West Village apartment that her dad offers to pay for and she reveals this in Scammer. Um, It seems to be one of the situations where her dad was not there for her a lot um, because he did not have custody of her. Her mother had sole custody of her after they divorced. So it, it does seem, it does come across as like a, a buying, a way of buying her love, I guess. Um, he's like, you know, I, what I can do is I can pay for your apartment and that he did. And for as long as Caroline Calloway has kind of been around in the zeitgeist, There's been this question around, is she rich, is she poor, does she have family money, like, is she just flat broke? And the best answer that we kind of get from Scammer is, like, neither. She kind of comes from, like, a middle-class background. Like, yes, her dad has enough money to pay for her rent in the West Village, but she, she doesn't have, like, hordes and hordes of, like, generational wealth and her dad wasn't like flush with money. And I think that's where the differentiation is of like well off versus old money. Like old money would be Caroline never has to work a day in her life. She has been set up with a trust fund from the get go. And that really doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like maybe her dad was comfortable financially enough so to pay For her rent but not enough to like bankroll her for life if that makes sense. Now at NYU is where we would meet a very prominent character in the Caroline Calloway story Natalie. Natalie Beach um, you might know her as the article titled I was Caroline Calloway in the cut. Caroline and Natalie meet in an NYU creative writing class taught by David Lipsky who is kind of a big deal. Let me check something real quick. Okay, yeah. David Lipsky um, seems to have gotten a start as a Rolling Stone reporter. Um, I think he's a novelist now. There is a movie uh, that includes him as a character. I think he's played by Jesse Eisenberg. It's called The End of the Tour. It was released in 2015. The description on IMDB says, The story of the five-day interview between Rolling Stone reporter David Lipsky and acclaimed novelist David Foster Wallace, which took place right after the 1996 publication of Wallace's groundbreaking novel, infinite jest. So there you have it. David Lipsky, kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal to be in his creative writing class, I would think. Because Caroline and Natalie are the two youngest students in the class, and because their last names are Calloway and Beach, respectively, they're put together in the alphabet, and therefore they're seated next to each other, and they just end up doing a lot of work together in the class, and they kind of develop this rapport with each other through their writing and caroline reads everything that natalie writes for the class and natalie reads everything that caroline writes for the class and they kind of develop this back and forth um, relationship through their writing natalie and caroline's entire relationship would kind of be retroactively retold as a lesbian love story from caroline's point of view in scammer that was released this year so there's that um that's new information that we've gotten since the release of scammer there was never any sort of bisexual undertones lesbian undertones romantic or sexual undertones regarding caroline's relationship with natalie um before scammer came out so i think we just kind of have to move forward with that information and kind of take it for what it is which is a retroactive retelling of this what is now considered to Caroline to be like a homoerotic friendship that she had with Natalie. Now Caroline did three years at NYU and then after her third year she then got into Cambridge. There's differing information regarding how many times she applied and got rejected from Cambridge. Per Wikipedia it says she succeeded on her third application. I've heard from other sources that it was her fourth application that she was accepted on. So that last year of college for Natalie was Caroline's first year of college uh, overseas, across the pond, at Cambridge. So 2013, she starts at St. Edmund's College at Cambridge. Now, what is St. Edmund's, you asked? I'm happy you did. St. Edmund's was founded in 1896. And it is a specific college within Cambridge that is geared towards postgrad students or undergrad students 21 and over. I believe they are referring to them as mature students. <laughs> so you can't get into St. Edmunds College as like an 18-year-old. So already there is a limited, you know, sea of applicants for this school. So I, I do think it's pretty telling that Caroline was unable to get into Cambridge as an undergrad, but now that she's over 21, she was able to squeak into St. Edmunds. Now, since then, Caroline has admitted to forging her high school transcript in order to get into Cambridge. So she it, it, she just photoshopped her Exeter transcript which is kind of iconic. She originally had a D plus in ancient Greek and she changed it to be an A minus on the transcript which I guess worked out in the end and that's a scam I can get behind. Most reports from this time tend to agree on the fact that Caroline was not very engaged in the actual academic part of being at Cambridge. She was very much into the magical, dreamy land of being an American girl, studying overseas, studying in these beautiful gothic castles and gallivanting around England, basically. Though she was technically studying art history. And I think that she was also studying art history at NYU. This is when Miss Caroline really starts leaning into the Instagram game. She starts writing these long ass Instagram captions about this illustrious experience as an American at Cambridge. Um, and when I say long captions, like they are lengthy, they are long, like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. And she's telling these magical, fantastical stories about her day to day life at Cambridge. Now, for a quick second, we're going to just scooch back to the summer of 2013. So this is the summer right before she starts at Cambridge. Natalie had just completed her semester abroad. I believe she was studying in England. And Caroline flew out to Europe to meet her there. And their plan was to travel to Sicily together, which is what they did. Caroline Calloway bought 40,000 Instagram followers for $4.99 so she could kind of have that social proof of clout, essentially, and it did work. You know, she just kind of tricked people into thinking that she was a big deal. And, you know, she is a master of PR, all right? You can't deny that. Her and Natalie spend this summer in Sicily together writing these long-winded Instagram captions fantastically detailing their magical, chaotic, incredible Sicilian-Italian adventures, okay? Now, I want to thank Froggy419 via the Small Bean Snark subreddit. That's the Caroline Calloway subreddit. And Froggy419 has absolutely done the Lord's work. They screenshotted most of the captions from this time period that don't exist on Caroline's profile anymore. Um, So I am going to be reading some captions that are directly from Caroline's old Instagram posts. And i love to start us off with the very first caption from the Sicily trip. Pack your bags, Instagram. We're off to the land of endless summer. Along for the ride is Natalie, one of my most sunburnable and hilarious friends who described today's remote destination as the kind of place you go to hunt people. Together, we've rented bikes but made no plans. Let's see where the day takes us. Hashtag the most dangerous vacation. Now, the photograph in question is Caroline standing on a rock in a field, presumably in the Italian countryside and in bubble block letters it says sicily on it and it's such a distinctly 2013 aesthetic it is such it instantly dates itself to that time period because everyone edited their photos so goofily at the beginning of instagram and i'm going to be linking you to all of these posts. If you yourself would like to go read all of the captions because I would love to read them all to you but I fear that we'd be here for like 24 straight hours. She documents her and Natalie's adventures throughout Italy with these relatable like quirky kind of Instagram captions. She is really conveying a distinct voice and distinct personality. And I really do think that she was an early masterer of engaging with her audience. She did know how to build a really engaged audience because of the information she chose to share. This one's from May 24th, 2013. When I was 17, I spent a summer working as a cook at a farm in Sicily. So today we swung by to say hello to some old friends and the newest arrivals. And it's a picture of chicks, baby chickens. They're super cute. Um, but that is the, the one proof I could find of her spending a summer as a cook at a farm in Sicily. I like genuinely don't know if that happened. Caroline, hey, If Caroline Calloway is actually right, like listening to this episode, please come on the podcast. I'd love to talk to you about Sicily. (laughs) I've I've never been, but you could tell me about it. One more caption from the Italy days, just to kind of give you a feel for her early voice on Instagram. It took a while, but we did it. We hitchhiked our way to Palermo, capital of Sicily and the city that has seen it all. Settled by the Greeks, conquered by the Phoenicians, invaded by the Arabs, reconquered by the Normans, rebuilt by the Romans, bombed by the Allies, Owned forever by the mafia, and most significantly, home of the cannoli. (laughs) Now, in Natalie's 2019 tell all article, I Was Caroline Calloway, she says this about their trip to Italy. When we left our room in the morning, she, Caroline Calloway, packed several outfits so we could pose for days' worth of photos in one afternoon. I, meanwhile, was deputized as the photographer, instructed to find her best angles and keep my shadow out of the frame. When Caroline was satisfied we got the shot, we'd hurry back to the hotel to connect to the Wi Fi, brainstorming the caption together. After she posted the photo, she would hold the phone in her palm and watch as the comments rolled in, responding to each one. At the time of this trip, to Italy, Caroline and Natalie have only known each other for a year. And Caroline also has a boyfriend back home in New York named Josh. Caroline did reveal in Scammer that she did cheat on Josh during this particular trip with another man in Italy. A photo that she posted from the trip is a picture of a man in a Vespa helmet. The caption reads, Vespa rides from Sicilian princes and castles tucked in Ligurian cliffs if it seems too good to be true it's because it is missing from this picture is me pale-faced and fear-stricken clutching Raimondo so tightly that my helmet knocked into his at every turn finally he pulled over and gave me a talking to Caroline he said you can make the koala body fine just please don't make the koala head hashtag adventure this Raimondo fella is a character for a few posts for like a small small series of hashtag adventuregrams, if you will. In one caption from July 30th 2013 she writes only one thing to do in a time like this. Ladies of Instagram it is without further ado that I present the final installment in our tour of the gorgeous men of Italy. Alternate title let's objectify guys because ladies can be pimps too. Go on brush your shoulders off. I may have a boyfriend in New York but Raimondo's all yours girls. Pin up calendar coming soon. So I can only imagine that she cheated on Josh with Raimondo. But I guess it doesn't really matter. But I'm going to speculate, OK? I, I'm betting it was Raimondo. She did refer to him as a Sicilian prince, after all. I mean, who can resist? A Sicilian prince. Caroline, this summer of 2013, also ends up in Denmark for a bit. I believe that was in the fall, around November, though, and um, After her Sicily adventures, she flies back to New York and goes on a road trip with her friend Kelsey. At the time, they're definitely not still friends. There's no trace of them still being friends, but they go to a music festival in Nashville. I believe it would be Bonnaroo. They never say what the music festival is, but I mean, isn't Bonnaroo like the big one that happens in, in Tennessee? At this time, Caroline posted a picture of Kelsey and wrote this caption. Before we go on with the story, you should probably meet Kelsey. If she looks familiar, that's because you hated someone very similar in high school. To the naked eye, Kelsey does look like the tall blonde cheerleader who dates the football captain and says things like, everyone's going to be there. Yet despite her Blake Lively face and overall sparkle, Kelsey has developed a personality that's freaking awesome. She's curious, goofy, kind, wild, and terrifyingly smart. Between the two of us, she's probably the funny one, although jokes on you if you think the blonde hair means she's not ambitious. When Kelsey was younger, her thing was horseback riding, and she won nationals 13 times before her 17th birthday. Now she's 20 and taking over D.C., one high-profile internship at a time. However, when not briefing congressmen on monetary policy in relation to accept expansionary quantitative easing, Kelsey R. Smith can always be counted upon to start the dance party, finish the sangria, and drop what she's doing to talk about the weird rash on your inner upper arm <laughs> she's that loyal I once saw one of my more attractive ex boyfriends from our boarding school try and hook up with her at a party and all she said was this is fucking unacceptable and walked away this is my best friend so yeah you can definitely tell that Caroline is wordy she has these long complicated sentences in her writing it's very pedantic the way she she writes sometimes okay so now we're back at the beginning of her first year at Cambridge. And this would be at the end of 2013 if you've forgotten okay I'm keeping us all on track here don't you worry during her first couple of years at Cambridge she becomes really heavily dependent on Adderall Um, she eventually starts using it for everything she does and she actually flies back and forth from the UK to New York City to get Adderall because it's not allowed in Europe it is considered an illegal narcotic there Um, so according to scammer she has this this crazy doctor that she found on Yelp um, who's kind of a nut <laughs> it sounds like. He's kind of uh, what seems to be a comedic relief character in the book and I have not read Scammer directly yet, I gotta say. I have listened to the Be There in Five episode about it and the Caroline, or the Celebrity Memoir Book Club episode about it, and I listened to their Patreon episode, which is an interview with Caroline herself. Um, So I feel like I have a pretty good idea of the book. It is only about 150 pages designed to be read in a day, um, according to Caroline, so I... I will be referencing Scammer, but I just want to be very clear that I haven't actually read it and I don't own the book. But she basically found this guy who will just give her an Adderall prescription whenever she wants it. Um, And it is insane that she was so addicted to Adderall that she was literally flying back and forth over the Atlantic Ocean regularly to get Adderall. There are definitely differing opinions out there about the extent of her Adderall addiction, but... Um, according to Caroline herself, she was pretty heavily addicted to Adderall, and it started during this time. Um, other people would argue that she kind of exaggerated her Adderall use as an excuse for her bad behavior during this time. Um, you know, I I guess I, I wasn't there. You know, I don't know. Um, but... I'm gonna believe that Caroline was probably addicted to Adderall because I think a lot of people are probably addicted to Adderall. Now in spring of 2014, we get what Caroline will to this day claim is the first crying selfie on Instagram. She will claim that she created and popularized the concept of the crying selfie. Um, And so that would be from this post that I'm about to read to you. Yes, Instagram, that's right. Raise your hand if you have ever taken a selfie of yourself crying on a plane with strangers. What's that you say? Well, I'm proud and a little jealous because this is a terrible and crazy thing to do. Professional blogger tip number one, don't be the crazy selfie girl that can't stop weeping. Sure, it may feel like the only responsible and respectful way to break up in this day and age, but that's because you're 22 and dumber than rocks. Rocks! But maybe we need to start even further back with my last day in New York and some better context for my bad choices. In her following post, she writes, Our story about Cambridge begins in my turquoise New York apartment. I'd moved there after high school to take a gap year, but ended up taking three because I fell in love with the city. LOL, at her talking about three gap years, I'm pretty sure those gap years were the years that she was going to NYU. So she does at certain points just omit the fact that she was at NYU to make it, I guess, more of a well-rounded story of her getting into Cambridge. Um, But she does directly in this caption refer to those years after high school as gap years which they weren't she was definitely at NYU um she continues I fell in love with the city in that overeager evangelical way that only immigrants can have you ever heard a girl from suburban Virginia telling stories stranger one second i gotta start over holy shit her writing is hard to read sometimes have you ever heard of a girl from suburban virginia telling strangers about a land of opportunity where the streets are paved with gold then perhaps we've met and plot twist friends my favorite neighborhood is where i live the west village you're the west village you still do it for me babe um she didn't write that. I just added that in. It's where old New York charm, cobblestones, parks meets upscale boutiques and low-risk bohemia, liberal arts degrees, lofts. And you can see it in this picture because it's the only area of downtown Manhattan with zoning codes against skyscrapers and trees on every block. What? It's the only area of Manhattan with zoning codes against skyscraper and trees on every block end quote. (laughs) The point is, I just really love the West Village and I need you guys to love it too for the next part of the story to make sense. So can you do that for me, best friends? It shouldn't be too hard. As Tom Wolfe once said, one belongs to New York instantly as much in five minutes as in five years to be continued. I also got to say that Caroline refers to her followers at this point in time as best friends. Um, She interacts with her fans a lot in ways that I sometimes think Um, maybe were questionable or ill-advised. I actually found a couple of fan accounts, like Caroline fan accounts from back in the day that are still up on Instagram and still public, and they were a wealth of information, and I will be including those in my sources. Um, But there's one, there was a girl in high school, I believe, who was running this fan account who was in high school at the time of posting this. She had posted a story um, saying, like, in, in, in NYC, hoping to run into Caroline Calloway. Caroline responded to that story with a DM that said, you should come over for dinner next week. And the girl replied back and said, I have like 13 days of school left, so I can't. But maybe after that. And I'm like, Caroline, this was like when Caroline was very much in her mid-20s. Like, I don't think maybe you should be inviting high schoolers over for dinner um, from the internet, but that's just me, but she seemed to have a extremely parasocial relationship with her fans and her fans seem to have a very parasocial relationship with her. Um, the majority of the people in her fan base at this time were teenage girls who were jealous of her fancy life, you know? So I just think maybe that's worth examining, IDK. Now her next post is where she begins introducing her ex-boyfriend Josh as a character in her story. She does this with a lot of her boyfriends over the years, and this is the first real backstory we get about someone she dated. So without further ado, let me read to you this caption she wrote about him. Now that you guys have fallen in love with New York, I have just one more best friend favor I need to ask. It's super strange, but you guys are pros, and I know there's nothing you can't handle, which is why I need you to fall in love with my ex-boyfriend, Josh. Allow me to explain. You see, in order to make goodbyes resonant and engaging, stories need a shit-ton of build-up. Just take the first 205 minutes of Titanic, for example. But you and I, Instagram, we're busy people. We don't have that kind of time or Leonardo DiCaprio's face. And so I need you to do me a solid Instagram and just fall in love with my ex-boyfriend, okay? Because the only alternative is trying to recap every single quotidian detail of our year-long relationship. And even with my current writerly ability, nobody, not even a best friend like you, wants me to attempt that in a series of Instagram captions. So here's the deal, guys. You love Josh. Josh loves you. And I'm totally okay with it in a weird, inappropriate, incestuous way so okay weird caption right let's move on to the next one this is a additional details about her relationship with Josh After breakfast, we went for a walk in the West Village. I wore a silk bathrobe and a fur coat because that's the kind of crazy-ass shit you can wear around your boyfriend when he really loves you. As we passed the townhouse, Josh and I always talked about buying because it's for sale and draped in charming ivy. He stopped. Five minutes later, a realtor was ushering us through the upstairs library and gushing about the downstairs sauna. The asking price was $12 million. A terrific investment, Josh smirked as he turned to face me. But what does my beautiful fiancé, Priscilla, think? I sighed. A shame it's so small. Where will we put the pool, park the Mercedes, hang the Rothko's? I see what you mean, Priscilla, Josh nodded. I see what you mean. After $6 burgers, we continued our walk. We went into stores that sold one very specific thing, like artisanal Icelandic yogurt or antique maps of islands. We drank milkshakes along the Hudson River and talked about the townhouse we never buy. We talked about everything except where to eat dinner that night. We already had plans. I was moving to Europe for three years, and Josh was not. Our plans were to break up. We talked a lot about the townhouse. Continuing to our next post, unless you're currently going through a breakup right now, there's a 100% chance you've forgotten what it feels like. And that statement's not just me making up fun facts, although it is Saturday, am I right? Hashtag TFM. What does that mean? What does that mean? The only thing that makes sense for TFM to stand for in this context is maybe total frat move, which was definitely something that people were saying only in 2014, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) She continues, it makes it impossible for you and even me, believe it or not, to comprehend the complete life-numbing, soul-splintering sadness I felt when I said goodbye to Josh at JFK and he kissed me on the forehead for the last time. Remember how at the beginning of the story I asked you guys to fall in love with Josh? Right, well that's about to come in pretty fucking handy because right now you and Josh are breaking up. No more forehead kisses, no more breakfast in bed, no more biceps. All we can do is sob our way to gate B72 and remember what it feels like to say goodbye to someone you love. To be continued, hashtag adventuregrams. Now I totally won't blame you if you forgot why we're here. All of this was to explain the crying selfie from the plane, the famously Instagram's first crying selfie, okay? Now, with Caroline moving to Cambridge for three years, that means that her West Village apartment is going to be empty. So Caroline had asked Natalie over the summer if she would want to stay in the apartment for free. Um, I don't really know why she would offer that, but... Um, That seems like kind of an insanely generous deal, especially since she wasn't the one paying for it. Her dad was the one paying for it. But of course, Natalie says yes, like anyone would when their friend offers you their apartment in Manhattan for free. Um, But two weeks before Natalie is supposed to move in to said apartment, Caroline kind of finds out that her dad is not made of money (laughs) like she previously maybe thought and he actually can't afford to pay for the apartment while she's not there he obviously can't afford to send her to cambridge and to send her or and to pay for her west village apartment so caroline calls natalie and is like dude we need to be airbnbing this apartment you can't stay here anymore Um, On top of that, Caroline requests that Natalie is the super for the Airbnb, so she needs to be the one to clean up after the guests, check them in, be on call for anything they need during their stay. And what Caroline offers for this job is $200 a week in payment. And according to Natalie, Caroline said that this would be enough for her to rent another place, which, what's that, $800 a month tops? I don't think that's getting you any place to rent in New York, sweetie. Now, according to Natalie, when this happened, she had to go in and clean up this apartment that Caroline had essentially abandoned over the summer because she had been traveling. And apparently there was bags of like months old garbage on the floor in the kitchen when she got there. And I believe the one big point of contention was her... Sheets had like period blood on them or something. And Natalie was just kind of utterly disgusted that Caroline would leave her apartment in such a way and then ask her to clean it for her when the original deal was that she was supposed to be staying there for free. And now she has a job that she didn't really ask for or want. Now, I will say that this is a bit of an insane request. And I do think that Caroline probably shouldn't have you know, assumed Natalie would want to do this. But girl, Natalie, why did you agree to this? You could have said no. And you could have held to that. And you didn't have to do this for your friend. Um, But that's kind of the essence of the Caroline Natalie saga is that Natalie really kind of wrote her. She wrote herself as this character in Caroline's story where She was kind of the sidekick who did everything and let Caroline manipulate her. And um, I guess that kind of explains a lot about why she didn't have any boundaries when it came to Caroline and her crazy behavior and her crazy requests. Caroline is obsessed with castles and she's obsessed with the aesthetics of Cambridge. And here's kind of her introductory caption when she arrives in Cambridge. For every college in Cambridge, and there's 31, there are between five and 20 castles and at least one cathedral. I'd do the math for you, Instagram, but I study art history and can't count past 40. Just kidding, guys. I can't count at all. But here's what's weird about this Hogwarts on steroids. The castles aren't just out in the open like regular buildings in a city. All 31 colleges are surrounded by thick stone walls, so it's not until you pass an open gateway that you can catch a flash of courtyard and castles. But on my first day in Cambridge, there wasn't time to gawk. As I followed the four Japanese girls that I had started stalking at the bus stop deeper into town, they began peeling off one by one through these open gateways until eventually there was no one left to follow and it wasn't until then that I began to notice the absurd prettiness of where I was. Is that a stone gazebo? A clock made of gold? Good thing I didn't settle for the field. To be continued. So we're still in spring 2014 and we are now introduced to a major player in the Caroline Calloway story. He is named Oscar and they... First meet on I think like her first or second day at Cambridge but she's rehashing their story for us right now at our current point in the timeline which is about May 2014. She describes him as a handsome Swedish polo player and she really does write him as this character that's like a prince charming that sweeps her off her feet and they have this magical romance now i really can't stress enough how much of an integral part oscar was to the caroline calloway brand she was really writing her life as this romance as this fictional story but the characters were real people in her actual life and the real Oscar is kind of an enigma. We only know this kind of, you know, magical, purely fantasy character of Oscar that she writes. In an Instagram caption, she writes, Our first interaction was a meet-cute of straight-up Austinesque, Austin Yeah, Austin-esque old world class. I was arranging freesia in a vase. Oscar had just returned from polo practice. As he walked into the frame of his window, I instinctively looked up and we locked eyes across the balcony. He smiled. And then just as suddenly as he had appeared, he walked out of view. After a few moments, I heard a knock on my door, where I found him standing with a whip. The next photo she posts is a picture of Oscar wearing his polo jersey, I want to say. Is that what you call it? Polo outfit, polo uniform, polo costume. Take your pick. Now, Caroline Calloway really knew how to spin a story here, okay? Because this picture of Oscar, he is not looking like a Swedish prince, okay? He's not looking like a handsome Swedish polo player. He is very much looking like a 20-year-old guy. <laughs> have you seen 20-year-old guys lately? They look 20. He wasn't, he might have, he was, I think, 21 or 22 at the time because they're going to this college for um 21 year olds but he definitely he just looks like a guy in college you know what i mean so it is funny like i'm sure if you were like a 16 year old who was a diehard caroline calloway stan in 2014 you really thought that oscar was a hot piece but it is funny looking at this with like adult eyes (laughs) you're like okay like yeah that's a guy i guess (laughs) she continues the story of their meet cute in this caption hi he said in a devastatingly british accent he was handsome wait i thought he was swedish but he's also british he has a british accent okay he was handsome i'm oscar how do you do he waited several moments for me to respond and when i finally did not he added do you live here oh hi yes hello i'm caroline i said suddenly snapping out of my silence as if a teacher had caught me staring out the window during class can you repeat the question do i live here oh I tried to think of something funny to say. No, I don't live here. I'm just a squatter. Oscar looked mildly horrified. A squatter, I beg your pardon? You know, like a person who kind of steals houses, I added helpfully. Silence, I went on. The people who live illegally in empty houses when the owners aren't home, that's me. That's why I'm in this dorm. Despite being the one with the whip, Oscar suddenly looked alarmed. It's a bad joke, I added hastily. I study art history here. I stood back and held the door for him. Anyways, you're welcome to come in. Thank you, he smiled, but didn't move. So what did we then proceed to talk about for the next hour or so? Me and the boy who'd wind up being the next love of my life? I'd be lying if I said I knew. At the time, I wasn't even sure this gorgeous Swedish polo player would even hang out with me again after today's neighborly introductory chat. However, that attitude changed when Oscar pointed towards my open window. Do you hear that music? I leaned across my desk into a spill of sunlight, straining to listen and squinting in the late afternoon sun. I decided to lie. Yes. Oscar looked me up and down, then grinned a little wickedly. Shall we go find where it's coming from? I paused. If this was his way of getting me alone so he could stab me to death with a number two pencil, at least I wouldn't be lonely. Let me get my things, I said, to be continued, dot, dot, dot Adventuregrams. And she tags him in the caption, as any good Instagrammer in 2014 did. The fan accounts on Instagram were obsessed with Oscar. They like literally posted pictures of him on their accounts and wished him happy birthday, which is really strange because he is like very much not a public figure now. His Instagram does still exist, the same one that Caroline was tagging all these years ago. Um, He has a few thousand followers, but his account is private and he really does not seem to be in the public eye. He at some point, I think around 2019 or 2020, did kind of reach out to Caroline because she was dropping his name a lot and bringing up a lot of stories um, from when they were together. And he had a new girlfriend at the time, and he did reach out and say, like, hey, can you stop talking about us like this? But Caroline was like, no. (laughs) These are my memories, and I am allowed to talk about them all I want and tag you in my pictures all I want, which I think there was a bit of a – I do think that's a a little (laughs) – Like she was someone with hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers and he was just a regular guy with a private Instagram account. So I do kind of think that maybe she should have let him off the hook there a little bit, but whatever. That's water under the bridge, right? She continues to write this, you know, really romantic storyline about her and Oscar. She writes in her next Instagram post Before I say what I'm going to say next, it's important to remember that on that autumn afternoon with Oscar and the weeping willow, I was still very much in love with Josh. I stopped in the middle of the beautiful stone willow ringed bridge and said flatly, Oscar, I just broke up with my boyfriend. He was unfazed. Miss Calloway, if you wanted me to know you were single, no, I said more urgently, you don't understand. We like just broke up like 10 hours ago. For a moment, we were both silent. So according to Caroline's retelling of the story, she is claiming that this meet-cute is happening literally the day she got off the plane from New York after breaking up with Josh in the airport, which could be true, I suppose, but it makes for a really nice story, don't you think? Caroline continues in her caption. Oscar leaned forward on his elbows against the bridge and looked out at the river. Without turning his head, he simply said slowly, I'm sorry. I sighed and leaned against the bridge as well, careful to leave a space between his shoulder and mine. I still really love him, you know, Josh. After Cambridge, I'm going to move back to New York and we'll be together again forever. A couple of students in black robes walked by talking animatedly about a professor in a variety of accents. Okay. Those plans never work, he said matter-of-factly, but I hope for your sake that you get what you want. Thank you, I said, and what I want is Josh. Ah, he grinned, striding away from the bridge with renewed confidence. That's what you think you want, but you don't know anything about me yet. He flashed a smile over his shoulder and gestured towards the riverbank. Come, sit. Let's see how quickly I can change your mind. To be continued. Hashtag adventuregrams. We continue to learn more about Oscar during this time, and I feel the need to read this caption to you because it does make me think that Oscar is perhaps uh, pretty insufferable. Here we go. We sat on the riverbank until it got dark, and I learned about Oscar's zero-tolerance policy for small talk. Come on, dude. Not one of those. Not one of those I hate small talk people. Like, get over it. Let's talk about the weather. Come on. Grow up. When I asked him about what he studied and he said playfully, politics, if you must know, my dear, but that's strike one. You have two more boring questions left. Ugh, I hate this guy. But Caroline goes on to describe him in, you know, her classic, charming way. As Oscar told me about growing up in Sweden, I studied the small details of him. His socks didn't match, although they were both Argyle. His friendship bracelets looked like they were from a girl. He made even average stories fun by giving them his own rapt attention, although he didn't have to try to be particularly interesting. After attending the toughest boarding school in Sweden... The king went there and did okay. Oscar was recruited by the Swedish army to become an interrogator. Cadets were tested on psychology and Arabic every week for a year, and those who failed twice were sent home. Half of the soldiers who learned how to build igloos in November were no longer with his platoon by the time they learned to speak spear salmon in July. When he graduated, Oscar was fluent in Arabic, trained to survive in any terrain, and sent to Revolutionary Cairo, where he worked for the Swedish embassy. After that, he got an apartment in Beirut with his best friends. The boys lived there for six months, happy buying spices at the bazaar and speaking French at colonial house parties in Lebanese cliffs. When Oscar found out he had gotten into Cambridge, they were road tripping through Jordan, and the car had just broken down. The other boys went to Oxford, Yale, Stockholm School of Economics. And I'm here with you, said Oscar. Isn't life just marvelous like that? Now, this is where Caroline really leans into the long-winded, narrative-heavy Instagram stories. She's writing out, like, essentially a memoir in her Instagram captions, and she garners a pretty big audience by doing this, specifically during her Cambridge years. Obviously, a lot of people were pretty into this kind of dreamy magical story of an American student studying in London and being among these wealthy people and these princes and castles and ivy riddled buildings like you know you know her shtick at this point you you kind of I feel as at this point after hearing the Instagram captions that I've read to you you definitely have an idea of who Caroline was at the time She continues the Oscar love story in this caption. The first night Oscar and I slept together, he didn't kiss me. I had made it aggressively clear that kissing wouldn't be allowed. However, unlike the plot of Pretty Woman, I didn't let Oscar touch me at all. Also, I didn't get paid. I need you to stay with me tonight until I fall asleep, I said abruptly. Oscar, who had been whistling as we navigated the maze of castles back to our dorm, went quiet. But like seriously, I said, I'm going to need you to lie on my bed and maybe pat my hair, but only because I have anxiety problems. I looked at him with an expression between hopeful and crazy eyes. Real anxiety problems. If you try to make a move, I will burst into tears and it will be super fucking unsexy. I paused for breath. Oscar let out a strange sort of laugh. Is this a question, Miss Calloway, Or please, I said more urgently, shutting my eyes. Please, I had felt fine until the sun went down. It's always been like this for me. Not every day or even a week, but once in a while, I sink into a certain part of myself and get overwhelmed by loneliness. Fun fact, when I was little, my father begged my mom to send me to therapy because I couldn't fall asleep without audiobooks. I needed the stories, but also the illusion of human company. Nowadays, someone will occasionally ask, isn't it weird for you to have so many people following your life? Obviously not. I'd feel even lonelier without them. So I do feel like that's pretty telling about Caroline. Um, she considers these people who are following her to be like real friends of hers, preventing her loneliness, which, yeah, I think that's a... That's a pretty real glimpse into Caroline right there, whether or not she knew it when she wrote it. In order to guide us into the next part of our timeline, I'm going to need us real quick to do a little bit of a rewind. So a few years prior, Caroline had begun researching literary agents. She knew that she wanted to write a book, a memoir specifically, and she is flipping through memoirs of people that she admires and she ends up figuring out who they use as a literary agent. I believe his name is Paris Lloyd. She essentially scams her way into getting a meeting with this guy. And it's pretty funny (laughs) because the story goes that she just called his office one day and his secretary picked up and she was like, I'm going to need to change my meeting from Thursday to Monday. And she didn't have any meeting lined up. And when the person on the other end of the phone was like, we don't have you in our books, she was like, well... I guess that's your fault then, and you forgot to put me in. I need to have a meeting with Paris Lloyd on Monday. And they just scheduled the meeting, which is funny. Like, the older I get and the more kind of stuff that I feel comfortable asking for, I do kind of realize that if you ask people for something, A lot of the times they will just do it. (laughs) And I realized that Caroline lied in this situation. But like, hey, it's hard to not admire it a little bit, okay? Like, that is kind of an iconic move. She ends up going to the meeting with this agent. And he basically says, listen, if you can generate press and create a buzz around your name, I'll give you a book deal. And Caroline says, "Bet." bearing that in mind, we're flashing forward a couple years. We're back where we left off in the timeline. And we are now at the point in the story when Caroline shows up for her second year at Cambridge. The bursar tells her that basically she can't stay because her dad hasn't paid tuition. He owes money to the school. And her mom is kind of by, you know, a stroke of luck able to scrape together the money for the semester But Caroline needs to figure out a way to pay her way through Cambridge. So she goes back to Paris Lloyd, the literary agent that she met up with a few years prior. And she's like, look, I need to sell a book. I need to pay for school. And here is... All of the press that I've generated in the past couple years which she did she got a couple write-ups in the Daily Mail um, a few other like local online publications she had grown her Instagram following pretty considerably so she gets to work on her book proposal now at this point we are in the fall and winter of 2015 and Caroline is very addicted to Adderall at this point she's kind of in the throes of that addiction she calls Natalie who's still in the United States at this time and tells her that she needs her help writing this book proposal. So Natalie flies out to London and they develop this proposal. The way Caroline tells the story is that they both their writing skills kind of even each other out like Caroline is very long-winded, Natalie is very short and pithy and Caroline wants to tell this story of you know, this romantic adventure in Cambridge. And Natalie kind of encourages her to kind of play more of the underdog angle. She says that would be more likable. Their other disagreement comes from the title of the book. Caroline wants the book to be called And We Were Like. Natalie suggested the title Schoolgirl. And the agent, did think that schoolgirl would be a better title. He think he thought that it would do better with readers, um, but Caroline thought that that was reducing her story to a quote unquote porn category. So she ended up going with And We were like, even though the agent thought that schoolgirl would maybe perform better. Caroline and Natalie sold the book for three hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and Caroline gets one hundred thousand of those dollars as an upfront payment. She gave Natalie a cut of, I believe, $18,000 was the kind of upfront payment that Natalie got from Caroline. During this time of writing her book proposal, she takes a break from Instagram and doesn't post for a couple months, but she returns with an announcement of her book in, I think this is either early 2016 or very late in 2015. She writes, hi, beautiful friends. I know I've been off the Insta for a while, but I have an excuse as unglamorous as it is valid. I finished a book. Okay, I didn't finish it and it's not a book, but it is the first step in a series of random steps doing precisely that. You see, publishing houses don't buy manuscripts. They buy proposals, pitches that should be snappy, absorbing, and persuasive. What you don't wanna do is write 103 pages of graphic narrative like a crazy person. I'll give you one guess what kind of proposal mine is. Her agent says that he's never seen a book proposal like this. Apparently it's 103 pages and 20,000 words which does seem excessive. I'm I'm unfamiliar with the publishing world, but that seems kind of just like a what I would call a short book. <laughs> Apparently her agent says, quote, if this were even a fraction less good, I wouldn't submit. The file is too big and frankly, editors don't wanna read something so long, but this, this is fucking amazing. Nice work. Caroline writes a long Instagram caption, thanking everyone who helped her with her book proposal. She thanks her agent. She thanks Natalie, she writes, I sent every draft of mine to at Nat Beach because she's my best friend and there's no sentence I can break that she can't fix. And she writes of her Instagram followers, you are all brilliant readers, charming comment leavers, and the kind of ride or die internet friends that make all of this worth doing. I couldn't take this journey without knowing that you're riding shotgun on the back of this big eagle as we soar towards our destinies. So let the hero's journey begin. Sure, we have school in Cambridge this week, but our destinies as authors are waiting in Manhattan I believe in you I believe in us okay in the fall and winter of 2015 Caroline is at the beginning of her third and final year at Cambridge and Caroline herself said that the year prior her book proposal had come at the cost of her grades and her friendships and it kind of seemed like she maybe wasn't like the star student in her class at Cambridge okay I think we could say that, and I think that maybe she would agree. It's around this time that Caroline starts using sleeping pills on top of the Adderall because she was taking so much Adderall that by the time she, like, nighttime came around, she couldn't sleep. So then she started taking sleeping pills, and it seemed like she was just in a drug induced haze during this period of time. And Caroline basically flies Natalie out to London. Natalie essentially moves in with Caroline to help her write the book and work for her full time during the writing of her memoir, while Caroline was essentially just strung out on Adderall and sleeping pills the whole time. In 2016, Caroline is fully in her Snapchat bag. She is really using that as kind of her main platform for a while. And she would do these things called snap vlogs, which I was not around for. I was not aware of this um, at the time. So I've never actually seen a snap vlog and I couldn't find any to sh- to like watch now. Um, but I can only imagine that she was up to whatever Caroline Calloway does on a daily basis on Snapchat. And thank God for the fan accounts who would screenshot the Snapchats and post them on their Instagram. That is truly God's work. In April of 2016, April 9th, 2016 to be exact, Caroline announced her debut novel, And We Were Like. It was going to be a memoir about her time at Cambridge. It was going to be published with Flatiron Books, which is an imprint of Macmillan publishers. And I did want to do a retroactive correction. Um, I think I believe I referred to her literary agent as Paris Lloyd at the beginning. I'm pretty sure that's because that's what she calls him in Scammer, but his real name is Bird Level, if that, you know, carries any weight for anybody. I don't really, that means nothing to me, but I don't really know you know, the world of literary agents. Maybe Bird Level is like a big fucking deal, a BFD. According to Wikipedia, Level has said of his experience working with Caroline that she was, quote, deeply unwell, deeply dishonest, and it was more important to her to be seen as an author than it was to be an author, which, woof, it's pretty scathing. If someone said that about me, I'd cry. In the Instagram post where she announces the book, Caroline writes, being crazy has its perks. Two years ago, no one believed I could turn my Instagram account into a book deal. Not publishers, not literary agents, and definitely not Oscar as he sat on my bed in my freshman year dorm room and stared blankly at my face. Now remember, Caroline has $100,000 in her bank account as an upfront payment from this book deal. So she is in debt to the publishers at this point in time, and she needs to provide them with a book. In June of 2016, Caroline and Oscar both graduate from Cambridge University. I'm going to read you a post from a fan account on Instagram from 2016, and I just need you all to really brace yourselves for this caption. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, my fellow Caro fans, do I have some news for you. Our little Caroline graduated. Our baby has finally flown the nest, and I know Caroline browses through her fans' pages, as she is just the best. So I would firstly like to congratulate Caroline for graduating. Cambridge is a dream for most, and to graduate is phenomenal while creating a brand and publishing a book. So well done. You are amazing. Right, so now that's out of the way. Now we get to the main part of today's post, Oscar lean. (laughs) Oscar Line, I guess. That's Caroline and Oscar's couple name, which I hate. Um, I feel like they could have done better. How cute is this picture? These two are the epitome of perfection. They're both graduates from Cambridge with successful lives, a turquoise department, and the cutest dog in the world. Lastly, I just want to say how much Caroline is my role model, aspiration, and inspiration. Love you lots, Miss Calloway. Thank you for being you and changing my life. XX at Caroline Calloway. Hashtag adventure fam, Hashtag caro fans. Hashtag Caroline Calloway. Ooh, okay I really hope that whoever wrote this was like 13 or 14 years old. Okay I'm, for my own sanity I'm choosing to believe that this is literally a child who, who shouldn't have access to the internet. Now in this caption they do reference the fact that Caroline and Oscar have a dog and it is unclear as to wh- when they acquired the dog but I'm pretty certain that it was in December of 2015. They later end up getting a second dog I think they were Cavalier King Charles Spaniels or something like that does that sound right that sounds right to me like fancy little fuck-ass dogs and they kind of just disappear without a trace like it's one of those rehoming situations where you're kind of like okay like what happened to the dogs like one day we just stopped seeing them on Instagram and no one had any questions In May of 2016, post-grad, her and Oscar move into a new apartment in London, and they have their two dogs there. One of them is named Winston. I don't know what the other dog is named. I'm going to read you an excerpt from a Caroline Calloway primer that Sweet and Sour Chicken posted in the Small Bean Snark subreddit. They write, Oscar graduates Cambridge and moves to London. They get a flat in London and she spends outrageous amounts of money on stuff like antique Venetian chandeliers. They have two King Charles Cavalier Spaniel puppies. Okay, I was right. At one point, someone claims they were having a party and the dogs pooped on the comforter. So Caroline just shoved the poopy comforter into the oven and kept partying. Eventually, Caroline cheats on Oscar. They break up. The puppies are never seen or mentioned again. So like... I I don't know I have not been able to find any like primary sources for the poopy comforter incident I'm I don't know I don't know if that's true or not it doesn't really matter but um yeah that's essentially the story and we do get the Oscar breakup story um later in the year so stick stay tuned for that stick around for that all right Caroline writes one of her classic long captions about her graduation from Cambridge. She writes, so here's what graduating Cambridge and getting settled in our dream job will mean for us this year. Our already fast-paced schedule of reading, writing, dark joking, and party-girling is about to kick into an even fancier, less constantly panicked gear. I won't have class. I won't have homework. Graduation won't mean adding a new full-time job to the ones I already have, being an Instagram blogger, writing social media posts, building a brand, and creating our book. But for the first time in my life, I won't have to do all of that fun stuff on top of being a full-time college student. Not that I ever turned in that much homework anyway, but boy, did adults expect me to. Weird. For now, though, you can always find me on Snapchat where I'm usually talking about my writing or writing captions for my Instagram. Yes, I know. My life is just one wild, glamorous whirlwind of a party, which is I'll be reading. Wait, what is it? My life is just one wild, glamorous whirlwind of a party, which is I'll be reading and using social media alone at my desk. Wait, hold on. What do you mean that's not what a party is? Come back. Add me on Snapchat. My dark jokes are mini and I use the puppy filter not at all. Okay, so that was a little insufferable. People who talk about having dark humor um, never do. So it is true that Caroline spent her money kind of crazily during this time when she was moving into her new apartment with Oscar Um, The walls of this apartment are entirely painted turquoise, and she did post on Snapchat, and these are Snapchat story screenshots on an Instagram account called Join Adventure Fam. One of them says, Oscar and I had a choice. Either we could afford a year of Wi-Fi or two vintage turquoise chandeliers from Venice. We still don't have Wi-Fi, but I can't wait to show you our London home once it's decorated. So I'm glad she has her priorities in order. Get it, girl. Who needs Wi-Fi when you could have Venetian chandeliers? Caroline is extremely active on Snapchat during this time and not super active on Instagram. So there is a lot that is lost during this time. Um, I guess, you know, we could assume that she was spending a lot of her time writing the book and that's why she couldn't be on Instagram, but we'll get into that. According to Sweet and Sour Chicken in the post they wrote on Small Bean Snark, Caroline continually blows deadlines for the book. Natalie, who wants her share of the money, tries to push through and finish the book, and Caroline has a full-scale meltdown. After the due date comes and goes, Caroline claims that she didn't write the book because the publishers wanted it to be about boys, and she doesn't want to write about boys, even though her entire Instagram is about her relationships with boys. Some people say she didn't want to admit that a lot of the stuff she wrote on Instagram was flat out false. Natalie and Caroline have a huge falling out over this. Caroline starts selling pages of the book proposal on Etsy. She goes quiet on Instagram for a while, but is still active on Facebook and Snapchat. Some people have screenshots of things she was doing during this time. She goes to Italy to quote unquote detox from Adderall. At some point, she moves back to NYC. So yeah, that's a pretty good brief of this time period, this kind of murky 2016 time. Caroline and Oscar broke up sometime in late summer, early fall of 2015. Just kidding. 2016. 2016. They broke up in 2016. In December of 2016, Caroline really briefly dates this guy named Freddie. Freddie Ireland, I think is his name. Or maybe that's his Instagram name. I, I found his real Instagram because someone had tagged it on like one of the fan accounts from like, you know, eight years ago. Um, And he, I think he literally had like 300 followers on Instagram. Um, So he's like very much not a public figure. He was also 19 at the time that they were dating and Caroline was 25. So just putting that out there. The only proof of their relationship is from Snapchat story screenshots that are still available on public Caroline fan accounts. There's one, from December 11th, 2016, which is a photo of Caroline and presumably Freddie at an American food store, or whatever that means. On December 18th, another fan account posts a picture of Freddie. The caption reads, this photo is right off of Freddie's Insta page. They do tag his handle, which is still in existence, but I'm not gonna dox him. I don't feel comfortable doing that. He seems like a regular guy. This photo is right off of Freddie's Insta page, but if you haven't been updated, there's a new boy in Caroline Calloway's life. I hear he's charming and funny and kind and definitely a keeper. Winky face emoji. So happy that our Caroline found someone that makes her happy, and I can't wait to see what crazy places our story takes us. Welcome, Freddie. So like, it's just so bizarre that there were... Like, imagine how weird it must have been for this guy named Freddie to be dating Caroline and have these weird teenagers with no concept of boundaries... Posting pictures of you on Instagram announcing your relationship to your new girlfriend. I don't know. (laughs) I can just, that is just probably one of the weirdest things I can imagine. Caroline herself does reference Freddie in a Instagram story from 2019-ish, I think, It's a picture of her wearing headphones and sunglasses and a scarf, like a kind of plaid scarf. And it says, many years ago, a 19-year-old Freddie Ireland gave me this navy Burberry scarf for my birthday in Cambridge, thus proving the thoughtfulness that 19-year-old boys are capable of. We were dating at the time, but my expectations were low. Now I wear this scarf around New York City because it honestly is such a good scarf. Thanks, Freddie. And I marvel at how many different places my life has taken me. And today we are in a new place still. I don't know. It was cut off at the bottom of the story. But that's that's her Freddie info. Her and Freddie are really only together for like the month of December 2016, I'm pretty sure. And in 2017, we get the story of her and Oscar's final days of their relationship. She writes, Oscar and I broke up about six months ago, so for the first time in a long time, I don't know what story I want to tell you guys. For a while, I told you about my first four days at Cambridge and how I met him, but now it just doesn't seem like a fun thing to talk about anywhere but my book. Don't get me wrong, Instagram captions have come a long way since 2011, both in terms of what you can talk about and how seriously you can expect it to be taken. But at the same time, this fact persists. If you talk about something in an Instagram caption, as opposed to, say, writing about that same thing in your book, the very act of putting those words down on an Instagram Instagram caption cheapens it and I don't want anything to cheapen what I had with Oscar because once the love has left a love story the story is all you have left Um, so that's kind of a lot to digest because it's very interesting to say that the act of putting those words down in an Instagram caption cheapens it because by that logic hasn't she been cheapening everything about her life because she has been writing these Instagram captions for years so I don't know why now it would be insulting to write it in a caption but whatever I digress she continues in the caption it's been six months and thinking about the last chapter of our relationship still cleaves my heart into like a machete and a melon if I could stomach it I would write about it promise but I just can't and so it was either this or jokes about gossip girl and my fancy new film camera or my whole I just want to be relatable shtick today I went with this Also in 2017, Caroline announces that she is withdrawing from her book contract. And she cites the reason for this as the being the book was too focused on her love life and not focused on capturing the quote-unquote real experience she had at Cambridge, which I think that there's a lot there in terms of nothing she really wrote in her Instagram captions was real. And so if she had a book deal that she got out of leveraging her Instagram following. Yeah, I'm not shocked that they want a continuation of what you've been writing on Instagram because you have like the market research to prove that there's a demand for that story. So it seems that she just didn't resonate with the initial book proposal anymore. Um, She does owe the publisher back uh, the $100,000 that they gave her, um, per Caroline's wiki page, Calloway publicly announced that Flatiron Books had offered her a book deal to write a memoir for $500,000 in 2015, of which she had received 30% as an advance. Okay, so those numbers are a little bit off from what I said earlier. Okay, so it seems like there is differing information about this. Um, Beach reported, so Natalie reported the deal was for $375,000 and the advance she received was actually for $100,000, which she owed back to the publisher after she canceled the deal. So I guess according to Caroline, the deal was for five hundred dollars and she received 30% up front. But then according to Natalie, it was actually a $375,000 book deal and the advance she received was $100,000. So I don't know, it's kind of a horse apiece though, you know, in retrospect, it doesn't really matter. Regardless, she is somewhere in the camp of like 100, $150,000 in debt, depending on whose numbers you'd like to believe. This is when she starts selling annotated um, copies of the book proposal on Etsy. And I got to pull one of these up to kind of reference for you guys. <laughs> one sec. OK, I cannot find any links to these PDFs or screenshots that work. Um, And I I can't find any real information about them other than someone in a Reddit comment thread says that they paid $4.99 per file from Caroline's Etsy shop. I think each file was like a chapter of the book to my current level of understanding. So that's all the information I can offer about the Etsy annotations at the time. If I figure out more I will definitely do a corrections corner in the future. We're nearing the end of part one because we are in 2018 at this point. Um, She went quiet on Instagram for a little bit after she announced that she was withdrawing from her book contract. She specifically only posted on her stories throughout 2018 and 2019. Um, The beginning of 2019 I should say. Um, She didn't like the permanence of posting on the grid so she actually branded her entire instagram account as a stories account and she only posted on her stories and i was following her during this time and she posted so many stories every day that the little bar along the top like it wasn't even bars of stories like it was just tiny little dots that you could tap through every single day On June 5th of 2018, we are introduced to Conrad, which is Caroline's new boyfriend, her beau du jour. This is also from the Sweet and Sour Chicken post on the Small Bean Snark subreddit. She dates a guy named Conrad for a while. He's some kind of travel, trust fund guy who just goes around doing whatever he wants. (laughs) They take a road trip to Nebraska. She promises to tell the story of what happened when she saw her relatives there, but she never does. She and Conrad apparently tell each other, I love you, after two weeks of dating, um, she moves to Conrad or <laughs> Jesus Christ. She moves to Seattle with Conrad. People who know him say he wants to break up with her, but he feels bad because she's financially dependent on him. I don't know if I buy that. That seems like really hearsay information. Um, I don't doubt that she's financially dependent on him. He, she is in debt <laughs> after all. Um, eventually, she moves back to New York City and do long distance. Oh. Eventually, she wants to move back to New York City and do long distance, and then they break up. She announces this in a post with her Flower Crown photo shoot of herself and Rachel Cargill, which I remember like it was yesterday. Rachel Cargill is a writer with a pretty popular Instagram presence. She's a social justice activist and really advocates for racial justice. Um, She's also a public speaker, and I think she's released a couple of novels, or no, just one, A Renaissance of Our Own, A Memoir and Manifesto on Reimagining. Caroline and her had a very short-lived relationship that, in my opinion, Caroline kind of exploited. Um, but I'm not going to get into that right now. I would be happy to expand on it in a future episode. As I was coming through all of the fan accounts that I found, I did find a picture from Summer of 2018, July 20th, 2018, I believe, Caroline was in fact at the Reputation Stadium Tour at MetLife. So, love that. I literally have to bring up the fact that Caroline is holding a sign um, that says, The supermarket was out of daisies, but I'm lightning on my feet. And... All of the writing is in blue, but daisies is written in rainbow letters. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Caroline Gaylor proof. No. In November of 2018, Caroline drops a collaboration with the brand Rowing Blazers. It's a collection of merchandise called the Callaway House. And it's sweatshirts and t-shirts and hats and stuff with like the Callaway crest on it. Like I think Caroline ha- hired some artists to make like a family crest and it's turquoise and there's some deeper meaning to it that I think I could tell you about if I really wanted to but I don't but rowing blazers has really had like uh, an uptick in popularity in the past couple years at least to me I think it's very much uh an east coast thing um one sec sorry if you can hear me typing I always cringe when I can hear the keyboard clacking in the background, but that's because I have to be looking stuff up as I'm talking or or else I would go crazy. Okay, yeah, so Rowing Blazers was founded in 2017, and the founder, Jack is his name, him and Caroline are friends, or Caroline says that they're friends. (laughs) I don't know. She used to tag him a lot in her Instagram stories, but I don't know how much of that was her performing friendship with him or if they actually are close. I don't know if they're close now, but recently I was in Target, I think a couple months ago, and they had like one of their brand collaborations was with Rowing Blazers. And every time I walked past that display in the store, I was like, oh, my God, it's just like when Caroline Calloway did her Rowing Blazers. (laughs) collaboration because I the first I'd ever heard of rowing blazers was through Caroline Calloway because I do think that's like I think that's like a preppy east coast thing that like me a west coaster didn't know about so Caroline is my only point of reference for the entire brand (laughs) As we transition from 2018 into early 2019, Caroline is just kind of in her NYC it girl era. She's friends with Rachel Cargill. She's friends with Trashes for Tossers. Lauren is her name. What's her last name? Lauren Singer is her full name. And she had like kind of a big moment in like 2019, I think, for her zero waste lifestyle. She was doing like the press circuit going on to the Today Show and showing everyone her jar of trash because her whole shtick was that she fit all of her garbage from a whole year into a mason jar. So the reason I know all of that is because I went through a zero waste phase myself and no, I'm not talking about it right now. I'm not talking about it right now. (laughs) Essentially, Caroline is just going to a bunch of NYC city girl events. She's getting invited to like Glossier events and just, also I don't know, people in New York are always just like going to like events. I don't know, that doesn't, I feel like New York is a very event-heavy city. Like, I'm never just, like, bopping around going to events. I I don't know. Maybe I'm not in the, maybe I'm not in that class of society, IDK. I don't know anyone who is, though. She's going to Pilates, like, every day. She's going to therapy three times a week at this point. And she's obviously still trying to pay back the debt that she owes to her publisher, I think that this is a really good place for us to stop the this part of the timeline because in our next episode, we are going to be discussing 2019 to present day. And so we're gonna be covering a lot of her more recent scandals, which is the workshop, creativity workshop era. We're gonna cover her various scams, including Matisse, Dreamer BBs, the Tittes, We're going to discuss the snake oil, absolutely. We're going to cover the time that she painted her entire apartment white, but just painted around the piles of stuff and not underneath it. Um, We're obviously going to be discussing the lawsuit or public feud with her landlord from the West Village apartment. We're going to cover her move to Florida and her debut novel release with Scammer. I'm going to be posting some visual aids for the episode on Instagram, some old screenshots that I was able to find. I'm going to post all of my links um, to the sources that I used for this episode in case you're interested in doing your own little deep dive or fact checking anything or if you just want to go a little bit deeper into some of the stuff that I touched on. If you liked this episode and maybe this is the first episode that you listened to, um, I would love it if you gave the episode a little review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you are a new listener, um, first of all, I'm so happy to have you. Second, I do have a few episodes in my back catalog. Not very many. I think seven or eight. Um, But maybe you'd like those too. I talk about a wide variety of topics. My first episode is kind of an introduction to myself, a little bit about me, I rank all of the jobs that I've ever had, which is pretty fun. I talk about bad movies, made for TV movies, Taylor Swift, celebrity gossip, you name it. If you've made it this far in the episode, you know the drill. I'm giving you a big old sloppy wet kiss on the lips Follow the pod on Instagram. It's Obscurapod. That is also my handle on TikTok. You can also go ahead and follow my personal account on TikTok, which is my bigger account. It's Olivia Stober Studios. I post a lot more there, just kind of everyday bullshit along with some of my artwork stuff. Um, Olivia Stober Studios is also my personal Instagram handle if you are so inclined to follow my journey over there. I really sincerely thank you for listening. Um, It means a lot. (laughs) I'm glad that Anybody wants to listen to what I have to say, especially about something as trivial as Caroline Calloway, but she is a passion of mine, so I did feel the need to dedicate so far an entire hour and 40 minutes to her. I will see you next Monday. I hope everyone is having a lovely holiday season and I'll see you on the flippity flop. Okay, bye!